What's up, junior high students? Last week we finished the book of Philippians, but this week I want to tell you a story. Actually, for the next few weeks, I want to tell you multiple stories of multiple different people's lives that we find in the Bible. And the reason that we're going to look at these people is because they show us what it looks like to stand for God in a world that doesn't want to stand for God. In the world that actually opposes people living for God, these seven people we're going to look at are people who stood out from the crowd and they stood alone. And as you move from seventh grade to eighth grade, and some of you from eighth grade to ninth grade, it's more important than ever that you know what it looks like. And we learn together what it means to stand for God, even if it means standing alone. So the first person we're going to look at is a famous guy back from the Old Testament. You probably know about him. His name is Abraham. Okay, but before he's even called Abraham, he's called Abram. And we find this in the book of Genesis. So I want you to grab your Bibles or grab your devices and open up to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12. The reason we're looking at these people and going through these biographies is so that we can learn to do what they did. If we want to stand alone for God, that means we've got to do certain things like them. And what we're going to learn today from Abraham is he's such a good example for us because he trusts God when people in his world were not trusting God. Sometimes we think that there's always people that are serving God and living for God. Well, that might be true now, but it wasn't true at the time of Abraham. God was not intervening in the same way he is now. He didn't have a group of special people. He didn't have his group called the church. He didn't have his group called Israel when Abraham was alive. Abraham was flying solo, and he doesn't even believe in God until God comes to him. So I want you to check this out in chapter 12. This is Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If you have your Bible and your turn there, that's great. So check it out. This is verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And you want to hit the, the pause button right there because you might be thinking, whoa, where are we? What are you talking about? Leave your father and your kindred and your house and your country. What are you talking about? Well, Abraham, he's got a big name, actually small name, I guess, Abram. He lives in a big city with a small name. Uh, Ur is what it was called. You are. So if you want to spell something on a spelling bee, that's a really easy word to pick. Ur. Um, he lived in this city and he was not a guy who was very poor. He was a rich guy. He had all that he needed. He had him and his wife and they're old at this point. I mean, imagine the elderly couple that's worked their whole lives and now they're able to afford just about anything they want. That's what you've got with Abraham, Abram and Sarai. They're in this city and what God calls them to do is to leave everything. Leave what you know, leave your family, leave your, your, your friends that you've made, leave your house, leave your father's house, which is really important. What that meant was leaving your inheritance behind. Right? When how it worked back then and how some of it still works now is that you have things that you get from your parents, that's called an inheritance, and that was really important back then. And what God told Abram to do was leave all that behind. Leave your inheritance, leave your land, and just go to this place I'm gonna tell you. Well. That takes some massive trust in God to leave everything and to be a camper for the rest of your life, especially when you're like 75 years old, which is how old Abram is here. Now check out verse two. This is God. He's continuing to talk. He says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, that might seem like a great promise, and maybe you'd be in on that, and if God offered that to you, you might say, that's a great idea, but there's a couple problems here. For Abram specifically, it says that he's going to make him a great nation. How is he going to do that? 
Uh, first of all, Abram has got no kids. Abram and Sarai, they have never been able to have kids. It was a sad thing for them and it was even sadder back then than it is now, but they were not able to have children. And that was a big deal because the inheritance wasn't gonna go to anybody and that was hard. So God says to them, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. I'm gonna, from your body, from your descendants, I'm gonna make this huge group of people impossible. Well, God made it possible. Check out what they did in verse four. It says, so Abram went as they were to, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him, which was actually one of his relatives, his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That was the region. And Abram took Sarah, his, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, that's his nephew, and all the possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they went out to go to the land of Canaan. So imagine you're leaving your space, Orange County, right? Orange County, they call it the bubble, right? Imagine you're told to leave Orange County and go out to Death Valley and live there. It's like, how is that gonna work? How are we gonna go through Death Valley and all the, you know, when you ever go out to like Arizona or something like that, you drive past all the desert, right? That's what he's saying. You gotta travel like that and go, but no cars, none of that. You're going on foot as an old man. I just want you to see that God called Abram to do something that was really, really hard. Something that was uncomfortable, something that didn't even make sense to him. And that's what I want you to realize, first of all, that God told Abram to trust him even though he didn't give him that much information. Yeah, he made some big promises here, but he said, go to the land, I'll direct you. He didn't even say, this is where you're gonna make a left turn here and a right turn here and go straight for 50 miles. He didn't even give them all those directions. He gave them very minimal direction, but Abram trusted God. So the first thing I want you to write down on your worksheet, if you've downloaded it at home, the first point is this, I want you to trust God like Abraham, but trust God even when you don't understand everything. Trust God even when you don't understand everything. And think about it, they were told to pick up and leave. Take your stuff and get out of here. And see what God promised him. He promised him a homeland, which is awesome. He promised him a great nation, even though he didn't have any kids, which seems impossible, but he's gonna show how that worked out. And also, he promises to bless Abram's family and to make Abram's family a blessing to everyone. And it's funny because this is the beginning, and then one of the reasons we chose this story is because this story serves as the foundation for the rest of the Bible. God is gonna to continue to act through Abram's family and ultimately lead to Jesus Christ who ends up being this blessing to all the nations. And I want you to see what, what the author of Hebrews said about Abram because that was the original text we read back in Genesis 12. But in the New Testament, we've got another author who describes what Abram did. But look what he says. This is Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder was God. He trusted that if God was going to lead him somewhere, that God would take care of him. And that's so important that we do that, that as well. God is calling us as Christians to come out of a culture, to live differently, to stand alone. And that can be a scary thing because you might be thinking, well, God tells me to live differently. How am I going to survive? Who's going to take care of me? Where am I going to be? I mean, how can I really obey God when the world is telling me not to obey God? Can God really take care of me? Well, if the story of Abraham can teach you anything, it's that God is faithful to take care of you. And we are called to trust in God, whether we have all the information or not. 
Notice what the author of Hebrews, he goes on to say. This is verse uh, 13, same passage. Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. It says, these all died in faith. He's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and even um, Sarah. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. It says that they looked forward to something that God was going to give them. Remember that homeland? That's what was promised to Abram in the Old Testament. But actually, in the New Testament, we're promised a homeland too. Christians are promised a kingdom that we're going to receive with Christ, where Jesus is going to be king. And it says, these people, they understood something about themselves, that they were strangers and exiles in this earth. And Christians are called to recognize the same thing too. We're supposed to see that if we're going to stand alone, we are strangers and exiles. This world is not our home. And Abraham shows that. Look at verse 14. This is Hebrews 11:14. It says, for people who speak thus, people who speak like this and look to the next life as most important, they make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of the land which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. If Lot, if Sarah, if Abraham, if they wanted to turn around and if they wanted to go back to the big city with a little name Ur, they could have done that. But they were looking ahead. They were looking forward to what God was going to give them. Verse 16, it says, But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. You know, we talk about the Christian life like it's a narrow road, and that's what our theme verse is in the narrow. But sometimes we forget that the narrow road is leading somewhere. It's leading to a kingdom. And that ought to encourage us, if you're someone who's standing alone for, for God, and you're going to be the only one at your high school campus that's going to serve God, so be it. If you're the only one, that's okay. Abraham and his family, they were the only family that was really serving God. And like I said, Abraham believed God and trusted God, even though he didn't have all the information. Sometimes God calls us to do things that we don't completely understand. Right? One of those things that, especially if you have little siblings, you'll know about this. Um, God calls people, children specifically, people who are under their parents' authority, to obey their parents. And you might think, well, that's something that God says, but like, I don't understand why I need to obey them all the time. I don't need to obey them, do I? Like, I don't know. God says that, but it doesn't seem like it makes sense to me why I have to do that. Well, if we want to be like Abraham, we need to obey God and trust God regardless if we have all the information. And it goes on. Um, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about how we're supposed to our, obey our parents in the Lord because it's right. And God actually was nice in that instance. He says, I'm going to give you a promise. If you obey your parents, things are going to go well for you. And I think that's still true today. If you will obey your parents, things will go well for you. It's the same thing with uh, what Philippians 2 says, where it says we're supposed to do all things without grumbling and complaining. That's another one that I think we look at that command and say, okay, well, I see that we're told to do that in the Bible, but, you know, it doesn't really make sense to me all the time to do that. Another one is... Uh, where Jesus talked about not taking revenge, not taking vengeance into our own hands. We think, makes sense to me. If someone was mean to me, I can be mean to them back. It doesn't make sense that God would say we're not allowed to do that. Well, if we want to be like Abraham and if we want to stand out for God alone, that means we're going to have to trust God and do what he says, whether we think it's a good idea or not, whether we know all the information about it or not. Now, let's get back to the story. If you're following along with us in Genesis chapter 12, I want you to flip over to Genesis chapter 15. I want you to see something else about Abraham. Um, Abraham followed God and he left his house. That's what we learned in chapter 12. But Genesis chapter 15 goes even further. 
Genesis chapter 15 is going to talk about Abraham's relationship with God, which fundamentally changes when he believes what he says. So check out Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. His heir, the person he was going to have to give all of his stuff to, wasn't even his own kid. It was this guy, it was his servant that he had. Verse 3 says, Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. So not my kid, but someone who serves me. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards heaven. So God's taking Abraham outside and he's saying, look up, look at the sky. He says, number the stars. And if you're able to number them, he says, he says, if you're able to number them, which obviously he can't do. Um, and he said, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. This is Abraham. Abram believed the Lord. He trusted God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God considered Abraham righteous when he trusted him, when he believed him. And I want you to get this down for point number two. Um, we need to trust God because he always keeps his promises. Trust God because he always keeps his promises. Notice that Abraham doubts for a while and he says, uh, God, I'm not sure that you're going to really do this, but God directs him back and he says, remember my promises. Remember what I promised. And I'll even go further. Look up at the sky. Look up at the stars. Can you number the stars? You can't even number the stars. He says, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you people who are descendants who are even more than the stars in heaven. And that's an amazing promise that God makes to Abram. But look what he does when he responds. He believed God and God counted it to Abraham as righteousness. We see something interesting in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 4, we see that God views it similarly with us. When we believe what God did and we believe who God is and we trust in what Jesus did for us, it counted to us as righteousness. Check out Romans 14. It should be on the screen. It says this, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's a direct quote from what we just read. Verse 4 says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due, right? You go to work, you don't thank your, um, your boss and say, thanks for giving me a paycheck. It's like, well, no, you went out, you agreed on it, and you earned it. He says, that's the person who works, but, in verse uh, 5, it says, And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. What? What Paul's saying there is what Abraham did was he didn't work, work, work and try to earn God's favor. He just believed God and then God counted him as righteous. This is the point when Abram becomes a Christian. Right? And we say that looking back, right? When Abram got saved, when Abram was forgiven is when he actually believed God. And you might say, well, if I know my Bible, I know that in Genesis chapter 15, um, there's still no son. It's not that when he believed God, God fulfilled the promise immediately, but that's when God saved him. It actually wasn't until Genesis chapter 21, which is a lot of chapters later from, verse 15, or from chapter 15, 
where God finally fulfills that promise. And what we find out about Sarah is when Sarah was promised that and this guy came to the house, he came to the tent and he promised Sarah, he said, by the time I come back next year, you're gonna have a son and that was an angel. And Sarah laughed, said, yeah, that's a good one. That's really funny. I'm really old. This isn't gonna happen. Well, it happened. And it wasn't until she believed that it happened. And the reason I can say that confidently is because Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 says this, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. That means she had this baby, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who promised. For a while, when Sarah heard God's promises, she said, yeah, that can't be, there's no way. But when she finally believed, that is when God fulfilled this promise to give Sarah this son. Verse 12 says, therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. So that's a funny thing. God's, or the author of Hebrews is saying, you know, Abram was really old. He was as good as dead, basically. He says, from him were born descendants as many as the stars in heaven. That's a reference to Genesis 15. It says, in as, as numerous, innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. God provided offspring and he made this nation and he kept his promises. And we need to realize that God still keeps his promises. And one of the promises that God offers us comes in the book of Romans, Romans 10, which says, if we call on the name of Jesus, if we ask Jesus to come save us from our sins and to forgive us, he's gonna do that. And when we believe in Jesus, and not just we believe that he exists and believes that he's there, right? But when we really take him at his word, that's when Jesus saves us, right? First John 1, 8 and 9 talks about how if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. And that's a promise that's made to you. And until you trust that promise, that promise sits there and nothing's going on with it. If you don't trust in God to fulfill that promise, that promise is not even applied to you. Right? And for many of us, we've sat in church, and maybe you've done this, and maybe you still are, is you hear the gospel over and over again, but you've never trusted in Jesus. You've trusted the fact that he exists, you, you agree with that, but you've never asked him to save you. You've never turned from your sin and said, Jesus, I want to be done with all my sin. I want to be done with that, that lifestyle of disobedience and disrespect and all those things I'm doing at home that's bad. I want to be done with that and I want to serve you. Will you please save me? Please forgive me of all my sin. That is when that promise will be applied to you and that is when you'll be saved. And so many of you have never taken God at his word. You've heard his word, you've heard his promises, but you've never taken him at his word. Please take God at his word. He's offering it right now to you. And some of you, you might be saying, well, I am a Christian and I have taken God at his word. Well, we need to continue to take God at his word. Think about what, what God offers in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, he talks about casting our anxiety on the Lord and he cares for us. So if we don't cast our anxiety on God, God's not going to care for us in a special, unique way to give us peace, right? Same thing in Philippians chapter four that we just talked about, right? If you're a person who's anxious or worried or fearful and you're not taking God at his word and you're not trusting God, it makes sense why you feel that way. But if you're a person who's that way, you can trust in God today and you can cast your anxieties. It's this word um, which means to throw. It's interesting. It's a Greek word which means to, to toss, to toss on God, to throw. Throw our anxieties on God and he'll care for us. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe wisdom is your thing. Right? Maybe there's situations right now that you're just unsure about and you're scared because you don't know um, what you should do. 
Well, James chapter 1, verse 5 says that if we ask God for wisdom, He's faithful and He's going to give us that wisdom. He's going to generously give us wisdom. Those are promises of God, and that's only a few, but those are some promises of God, and the first one is the most important, that you become a real Christian, that God promises to save you and forgive your sins in Jesus. You've got to take God at, you have to take God at His word and believe His promises. He's faithful. He always keeps His promises. Let's get back to the story. Back to Abram. He's now called Abraham, and God has now given him this son. And now we pick up the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. So flip over to Genesis 22. We're going to see what happens now when Abraham is tested by God. So he's already been tested. It feels like he's constantly being tested before, before Isaac is born. But he offers one more big test. This is Genesis chapter 22. So hopefully you're there. It says this, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Think about how crazy that is. That after years and years, actually decades, of God promising, I'm going to give you a son, I'm going to give you a son. What does God say? Bring him up to this mountain and kill him. That's outrageous. And that's, it's uncomfortable to even read because we think, does God want to do that? What's, what's going on? What's really happening here, as the text says, is God is testing Abraham. God's testing him to basically ask him this question. Who do you love more? Do you love me or your son? And I think there's another question that he's asking, another thing that he's testing, is he's testing whether or not Abraham really trusts in God. Abraham got the thing that he wanted. He has the son now. Well, what is he going to do? Is he going to continue to trust God? Well, keep reading. That was uh, verse 3. Now look at verse 4. It says, On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So he's got all the supplies he needs. So they went, both of them, together. Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both of them went together. When they came to the place of which the Lord God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abram, Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. He trusted God so much that even up to the very point when he's about to be killed, Abraham is doing exactly what God says without asking questions. Keep reading. This is where it gets exciting. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him, anything to him. For I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and, and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham 
went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. And it is, in, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. Just notice how God provides this, this sacrifice and it wasn't Isaac. And this whole story should teach us one important lesson about Abraham. And this is point number three. Um, trust God, just like Abraham did, and act on his word. Trust God and act on his word. Notice how much Abraham trusted God, that even though God asked something that seemed impossible of Abraham, Abraham does it because he trusts God. The author of Hebrews, and I've been referencing this a lot, but the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews eleven seventeen says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac your offspring shall be named. So, he was in the act of doing this. For he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. When Abraham decided to go through with this, it was not when he lifted the, the knife. Abraham decided to go through with this when he grabbed his son, when he grabbed these guys, and he went out to this mountain. He decided ahead of time. He was going to act on the word of God. And hopefully, you know, he didn't tell Sarah what was going on. Maybe he did. Um, probably not. She probably would have tried to stop it. But Abraham believed God so much that he decided in his mind, I'm going to do this. I have to serve God. I have to do what he says, even though this is something that's really hard. You know, that question, um, who do you love more, me or your stuff? And that question, um, do you trust me no matter what, is a question that we should be asking ourselves too. Do we trust God no matter what? Do we love God more than anything else? Jesus actually asked a similar question to a guy in Matthew chapter 19. You might know him as the rich young ruler. He shows him that even though he thinks he's following all the rules, Jesus asks him a question and he says, hey, will you go and sell all your stuff and then come and follow me? And that was the thing that he held on to, that he thought was so valuable that he wouldn't serve God for that. If it means giving up this thing, I'm not going to do it. That's what the rich young ruler did. And it says that he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. And I want to ask you that question. When it comes to who you trust more and who you love most, is it God or is it something else? If God told you that we got to get rid of this sin, we said, you're living in this sin and we got to get rid of it. You've got to be done with it. You've got to stop talking to your parents that way. You've got to stop treating your siblings that way. And God's word actually does tell us to do that. When he commands us those things, what do we do? Do we act on his word or do you deny it and say, I'll do that later. That's not that important for me. You know, people who act on God's word are the people who trust in God. That's really what we need to get to. And that's what I want to get back to as we, as we finish up here talking about Abraham and his story. It is sort of a happily ever after story, but just know it's only that way because he trusts in God and God rewards him. And there are so many people that we're going to read about. And Abraham actually does have a happily ever ending story, um, happily ever after ending to his story. But not everybody's that way. There are many people that we're going to read about and people we're going to study in the next few weeks that don't have a happily ever after story. But what they all do have in common, all these people that we're going to look at, they're people who trusted God no matter what. And they lived for Him. And they served Him. And they stood alone. And what we can learn from Abraham is that he trusted God no matter what. 
He trusted God because he believed his promises. And he trusted God because ultimately, God is faithful to keep his promises. And he still is faithful to keep his promises. So this week during small groups, we're gonna be talking about what it looks like to trust like Abraham trusts. So I wanna make sure that you're there on Wednesday night at TNN because it's gonna be an awesome time to discuss this and to go over these questions. So thanks for joining us with story time. It feels a little different. We're like in my living room telling you a story. But next week, Nathan is gonna be at you He's going to be talking about a guy named Joseph. Our next story is going to come from the end of the book of Genesis with a guy named Joseph. So we'll see you guys next week.